0: This episode of History of a Haunting is brought to you by Love Heels Dog Rescue.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of History of a Haunting. You know who we are. Hi! This episode we're doing is Plymouth Plantation in Plymouth, Massachusetts, United States.
0: Yes. Now we chose this location because uh, this episode is being released on the the 23rd, is that right? I think that's right. Sure. Sure, let's go with that. Anyway, it's being released on the Saturday before Thanksgiving. So we decided to do Plymouth, Massachusetts, um, as it was the site of the first Thanksgiving.
1: So in September of 1620, during the reign of King James I, a group of around 100 English men and women, members of the English Separatist Church, later known to history as the Pilgrims, set sail for the New World aboard the Mayflower in late december the mayflower anchored at plymouth rock where the fucking pilgrims formed the first permanent settlement of <laughs> europeans in new england blah blah more than half the settlers died during that grueling first winter yada yada we've all we've all heard it we're in this country this is history that we're taught yeah over this and is... over and over every year, yes, that's so very true. it's a little boring for me just because I've heard so many different variations <laughs> of the same thing
0: I'm still so <laughs> amused that you're blah blah yada, yada, half them died, so what? we fucking know, okay. <laughs> All right, sorry, go on, that was just
1: really fucking funny. Uh, Soon after they moved ashore, the fucking pilgrims were introduced to a Native (laughs) American man named Tisquantum, or Squanto, who would become a member of the colony. This was the dude kidnapped by John Smith and taken to England, only to escape home. He acted as an interpreter and mediator between Plymouth's leaders and the local Native Americans.
0: Badass. Well,
1: he learned English while he was trapped confined right. in england taken I mean, prisoner smart thing to do is to learn the language of your oppressor mm-hmm, for sure uh, in the fall of 1621 the fucking pilgrims famously <sighs> shared a harvest feast with the wampanoag wampa damn it i had this practiced wampanoag wampanoag celebrating their harvest and their survival among them were 22 men four were married women and 25 were children and teenagers the fucking pilgrims were outnumbered more than two to one by native americans they had their chance right then yeah get rid of that infestation many other european settlers followed in the fucking pilgrims footsteps to new england as settlers sought to occupy more and more land in the region relations with native americans deteriorated and sporadic violence broke out that would culminate decades later in a war in 1675 Unfortunately, this is what grabbed England's intention to send even more settlers to the region. Yeah. By that time, the ideal of Plymouth Colony, conceived in the Mayflower Compact as a self-contained community governed by a common religious affiliation, had given way to the far less lofty influences of trade and commerce. The the devout pilgrims, meanwhile, had fragmented into smaller, more self-serving groups. Fucking pilgrims. (laughs) still the original concept served as a foundation for many later settlements these included john winthrop's massachusetts bay colony founded in 1630 which became the most populous and prosperous colony in the region oh okay plymouth's influence in the new england area declined accordingly until it was absorbed by massachusetts in 1691. today the original colony of plymouth is a living museum a recreation of the original 17th century village Visitors can taste colonial food, see a restored Mayflower II, and attend reenactments of the first Thanksgiving, which is false, when the <sighs> Wampanoags joined the settlers to celebrate the autumn harvest. Okay. So there's a lot I didn't put in here that I read after I wrote this up. Yeah. The Plymouth Colony was found on a great bare field, perfect for, um, Fields and growing crops hunting hunting i mean perfect place for a village and you want to know why it was this miraculous place perfect for a village because there was a village there that was abandoned by native americans escaping disease brought by previous settlers
0: yeah you know i mean we could go into a whole long i mean polarizing conversation about the settlers and the native americans I, I find it really interesting, and so a little sidebar before I get into my portion, but so my father was a full-blooded Cherokee Indian, obviously. Genetics says I am 50% Native American. Well, I did that Ancestry DNA. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only 37% Native American.
1: Well, here's something I learned about Ancestry. They can only compare your DNA analysis to others that have contributed. Okay. So not a whole lot of native Cherokee people are around or... In this area, anyway. ...contributing to this DNA profile. So a lot of that's not going to show up to compare
0: it to. But what they look at is they look at the markers, the the genetic markers, blood markers in your DNA. Mm-hmm. So I am 37% native american obviously they can't break it down to an actual tribe but the rest of me is um from my mom who she her she did ancestry dna i got that for her for mother's day oh she did it and she is solely from england ireland and scotland that was all the dna she had in her oh wow
1: yeah, that's pretty specific
0: It's very specific so I had a good chunk of that but I also had DNA in me from Norway from Greece from the Congo from different countries in Africa from um, wow, that was a
1: deep take
0: Italy from yeah I had um, I had a lot of that so I was actually kind of surprised when I got it back because I my whole life your know, father was a full-blooded Cherokee mm-hmm. Indian you know Maybe you're not half, so much you're half. And I got to thinking and I was like, you know what? It's sort of, it was ignorant of me to think that, that my father was a full-blooded Cherokee Indian only in the sense that because of the pilgrims, because of everything that the settlers had, had done to all the tribes in this country, Mm -hmm. of course there's mixed blood lineage I feel like you would almost be exceptionally hard-pressed to find a full-blood Native American...
1: That's true. That's true.
0: ...today that doesn't have some sort of other nationality in them. That's a good point. So this DNA test that I did proves that my father wasn't a full-blooded Cherokee Indian. But there's no way... I mean, this crap didn't exist back when my father was alive.
1: That's true. There's
0: absolutely no way that he would have could have possibly known that he wasn't mm. um
1: dominant genes and whatnot
0: exactly exactly and um my great-grandmother on my father's side was on the trail of tears and you know i mean you just you just you just never know you never know, you never know. so there was a lot of that going on um like i said we could get into a real big ass and conversation, so many sidebars <laughs> so many sidebars but um yeah, I just thought that was really interesting that when I did this ancestry DNA, I found that I was I am mostly Native American at 37% and then the rest of me is sort of like an amalgamation of other countries and stuff. But that's I, I really found cool. that yeah, I found that really really fascinating. That's really cool. So anyway, that's my little that's my little too-much-information-that-nobody-gave-a-shit-to-hear sh- <laughs> kind of a...
1: Nobody asked for it, Carrie. Nobody fucking asked for
0: it, but hey, my podcast, and I'll say what I fucking want. <laughs> 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 all right. Um, okay, before I just assume that you're done, are you done? That because was, I think that was, that was
1: all I got without... Going into too much and
0: okay, because I think in the Queen Mary episode, you like did it like this natural pause, and it sort of sounded like you were going to go on, and I'm like, all right, so the ghosts, and I I was listening to it (laughs) because I listen to every episode the day that it's released. I go and I listen to it on Apple Podcasts because I want to hear how it sounds,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and um. So last weekend when I was picking up my cousin, Vicky, I was listening to it and and you got to your part and you were saying something and it was a natural pause, but it sort of was a pause where it sounded like you were going to continue. And I'm like, okay, so the ghosts are. And I thought that was kind of rude. Was he done? Did you just assume (laughs) he was fucking done? Or did you just like commandeer the goddamn conversation like you do? (laughs) Anyway. Okay. All right. All right, so you ready for some ghosts? Yeah, bring it on. Bring it on. Here we go. i Now, Plymouth is known as America's hometown. Obviously, for all of the reasons you just mentioned. Um, I'm going to start my part out with a quote that I read from an article in the Boston Globe. And it read, This town will be forever linked with another autumn holiday, but lurking behind its turkey and stuffing facade is a feast of macabre tales and ghost stories that will satisfy the appetite of any Halloween junkie. So I thought that was really cool. That is a good way to put it. Yeah, that is a good way to put it. <laughs> um, now Plymouth, it's got a lot of um, locations that are that are purported to be haunted, and it's, it's very similar to Gettysburg in that way, although Gettysburg blows doors on Plymouth. <laughs> You can, like you can't throw a rock in that town without hitting something haunted, or
1: go passing right through it.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Plymouth is very much the same way. There are a lot of locations that are purported to be haunted. So I did choose a, a handful of the most um, the articles that I found the most information on, as far as the paranormal activity that is going on there, and okay. they're actually really cool. So the first place I'm going to talk about is the Spooner House. Now, the Spooner House was built in 1749, and it is... This is really cool. I thought this was really cool. It is one of the oldest structures on one of the oldest streets in North America. Oh, wow. Yeah, and the name of that street is North Street. It was home to the Spooner family for over 200 years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in 1778, Joshua Spooner was killed by three revolutionary soldiers at the behest of his wife Bathsheba, and his body was placed in a well. She became the first woman to be hanged in the United States. Oh. Yeah. I like when we do a little true crime crossover, because <laughs> true crime is a passion of mine, too. Um,
1: well, the two go hand in hand with they really 200 do. years of history. Oh,
0: seriously. So anyway, in 1954, when the last Spooner descendant um, died, he left the house to the town as a historical museum. Now, there is one particular ghost uh, that is, is constantly seen, heard, felt, and talked about. Uh, her name is Abigail Townsend, and she was an eight-year-old child. This eight-year-old girl was taken in by the Spooner family in the mid 18th century Apparently she died from a tooth infection in one of the upstairs rooms in the house. Ugh. Now think about it, eighteenth oh. century. There was no dentistry, there was no Yeah,
1: and a tooth you infection. got a tooth that's, Yeah. Oh, that's you got a painful. cavity,
0: tooth infection, that's pretty much it for you. Back then, there yeah, was nothing yeah. like that. So, um, she did die from a tooth infection in one of the upstairs rooms in the house. Now, she can be seen peering out of that upstairs bedroom window where she died, and that room is apparently noticeably colder than any other room in the house. Mm. Yeah. 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 Now, uh, she is friendly and has been seen periodically peering from the windows, also rustling the rustling the bushes along the alley and even occasionally standing at the corner of the house outside which I think is interesting because I feel like a lot of the hauntings and things like that that you and I have researched and stuff that I've seen on TV and and, and things like that I have never heard of a of a apparition or a spirit it's either inside or it's outside mm-hmm. but this particular little spirit can she go likes
1: to spend her time but, everywhere.
0: Yeah, so I think that's really interesting. Um, She is an intelligent haunt. Uh, She can interact with you and things like that. Uh, Let's see here. Now, a woman who used to live next door to the Spooner house awoke in the middle of the night to find Abigail standing at the foot of her bed. So not only is she in the house and in the alley outside, but apparently she wanders over to the neighbors. She likes to visit the neighbors. She likes to visit the neighbors, which... (laughs) You're cute, but don't do that. Yeah, Don't, no. no. Stay home. Even if she was an alive and well child, wake up and find, like, the next door neighbor's kid in your (laughs) friggin' house. At the foot of your bed. At the foot of your bed. (laughs) Need to have a conversation with your parents. (laughs) Anyway, so apparently more recently she seemed to have become more active, which is when this neighbor reported seeing this little girl in... The, the the clothing of the era Oh wow. standing at the foot of her bed now I guess in 2005 a group of workmen showed up to do some repairs on the house they knocked on the door and a little girl dressed in colonial clothes opened the door and let them in now keep in mind this is a museum so you know wow. it's not unheard of for back there museums and things like that to have actors or staff dress in period clothing so they didn't think anything of it right Let's see. that's funny. Yeah. A short time later when they had begun work, the curator of the museum came in and they saw that she saw that they were working in this room and she asked them how they got in the house. I mean, it was a scheduled visit. It wasn't like she was like, what are you doing here? I have no idea. This, you know, I didn't know you were coming. (laughs) This was a scheduled visit, but she wondered how they got in the house because she didn't let them in. And they told them that the child had let them in. And the curator had no fucking idea what they were talking
1: about. This is a museum.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So she had no idea what they were talking about. And they all kind of searched the house for this kid that let them in. And upon a walkthrough, they found that they were the only ones in the house. So not having expected a ghost in the middle of the afternoon... (laughs) The workmen packed up their things there and then and fucking bounced out of there immediately. Didn't finish their work. Nothing like that. Which I also think is another one of those amusing things like you only see ghosts at night. Hmm. Or you only have experiences with ghosts at night. Which is a complete fallacy. It's a complete misnomer. Now, another little sidebar, because I love sidebars. (laughs) This podcast should really just be called "Carry Sidebars all the fucking time. (laughs) Uh, For those of you who are um, following us on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram, but primarily on Facebook, you will know that my cousin and I went and did a ghost investigation of the haunted Phelps Dodge Hospital in Ajo, Arizona. That was amazing. It was a lot of fun. Now, the tour, the ghost hunt itself, ran from 3.30 in the afternoon until 5.30. So the whole time we are exploring this hospital, it's broad daylight out. And we caught a bunch of stuff. We caught EVPs. We had the EMF detector go off. So it's sort of a misnomer that, you know, you're only going to have an interaction or a paranormal experience at night. So the fact that these guys at the Spooner house where like weren't expecting a ghost in the middle of the day and they were like bye see ya uh it is I find that really amusing anyway so okay sidebar done now uh, <laughs> now they have a lot of ghost tours and things like that throughout Plymouth um now on a colonial lantern tour which I think would be so fun everybody's given a little lantern and you go around to all the different haunted places at night which is I think oh. is really cool Outside the Spooner house, a woman felt someone touching her shoulder. Then turning around, she saw a little girl who said, I have to go now. And the girl promptly vanished. The group was amazed at the special effects (laughs) until the tour guide assured them that there were no special effects. Wow. Yes. So uh, the the entire group was like, um, okay, damn. Wow. All right. (laughs) Anyway, uh, lights have also been spotted going, um, being turned on, going from room to room upstairs at night, uh, such as that of, like, a candle or a lantern. And one time, I guess a tourist asked the guide to shine the light between a crack in some shutters so she might have a look inside. So I guess I'm guessing they were outside, and so she was wanting to Mm. see inside the room from the window. Uh, The guide obliged. And the shutters flew open inside the house. Oh yes, to reveal a woman standing there staring back at them, uh, who then vanished as the group in the tour took off. What? Yeah. Wow. So that is the Spooner house, which I think is um, I, I pretty it. pretty active. I'm here for the Spooner yeah. House. <laughs> yeah, and that little Abigail. I'm here for that. Next place I'm going to talk about is Burial Hill. Now, Burial Hill is certainly a creepy place. It is a cemetery, so creepy. No. Yes. I don't, I, the name is a little obscure. I wasn't <laughs> sure if you were going to get that. <laughs> um, it is certainly a creepy place. Obviously, it is a cemetery. Now, there are more than 2,500 people known to be buried underneath Oh wow! the ground there yes that's a lot of people exactly exactly so to kind of give you a visual idea of what the cemetery looks like there's patchy grass um and it they've got these trails that kind of snake around the headstones the oldest of which the headstones date back to 1681 oh yeah yeah so um it is considered one of the most haunted places um on the south shore So, one of the most haunted places in Massachusetts. Many of the stones are actually in desperate need of repair. Because, you know, the oldest one, 1681, they've fallen victim to weathering and and into you know, some cases, vandalism.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because people suck. People suck. Yeah, people suck. If you haven't learned anything from this podcast, it's that people suck. Not all people. Some people suck. (laughs) Some people suck. Some people suck. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway... (laughs) <laughs> that'll be our tagline some people suck some
1: people suck oh
0: when we get merchandise we get the stemless wine glasses we were talking about and mm-hmm. that could be what's on the wine glass some, some people, people suck some suck <laughs> <laughs> okay now here are some of the stories a little background of Burial Hill several passengers from the pilgrim ship Mayflower which you talked about are buried here including William Bradford Mary Allerton and William and Mary Brewster The last burial actually took place in this cemetery in 1957. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, the story goes that in 1778, after a nor'easter hit the area, the crew of the Brigantine General Arnold ship decided to seek refuge in Plymouth Harbor. So the ship ran aground on a sandbar just northwest of the breakwater, and it began to take on water. Hmm. Uh, Now, more than 100 sailors then-soldiers in the Revolutionary War, were forced onto the deck where they began to get pummeled by the waves. Oh, jeez. Keep in mind, they're in the middle of this huge nor'easter mm-hmm, storm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Captain James McGee tells the crew to put rum in their shoes to prevent frostbite. Yeah. The look on our is like... It doesn't work that way. <laughs> how do you know, though?
1: It can get colder than freezing and still be liquid. Right. It's enough. an alcohol-based... Um, suspension. So, I mean, that was definitely the wrong thing to do.
0: Well, see, and I don't know. They, you're right. I mean, I mean, they didn't listen to it. <laughs> Good. They didn't listen to it, but not because
1: they were like, "Rum doesn't go in our shoes; it goes in our bellies." Exactly.
0: They were, yeah. So they didn't listen to the advice, not because physics didn't make sense, but because they were like, "It's fucking wrong." <laughs> so. <laughs> So anyway, he tells the crew to put rum in their shoes to prevent frostbite, but many chose to drink the alcohol as we would <laughs> and they started freezing to death. Yeah At the same time, the water in Plymouth Bay begins turning to ice so it prevented any locals from coming to the rescue. So I guess when the townspeople finally reached 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 the ship two days later. Oh yeah. Yeah. They find 70 sailors dead and frozen in grotesque forms. Ugh. Some are clutching the ropes. Others are clutching each other. God, that had to have been a terrifying awful death. And of that. slow. And slow. But from what I've heard, dying of hypothermia is actually a very painless way. You just fall asleep and that's sort of Yeah, hit. and
1: you kind of get a euphoria and then you think it's way too hot. So you start taking off your clothes, which encourages the hypothermia to mm-hmm. escalate. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, when but you said definitely... clutching each other, I'm thinking instantly of, you know, Vesuvius, where people were flash fried. You... Oh. oh, And they yeah. were holding each other in fear. And then you said that. I'm like, oh, God. But it's so much slower. Well
0: maybe I mean, just
1: technically yes but they're trying to keep each other warm
0: yeah. until they feel too hot it's a very from what i have read it's a very slow death but it's a very painless death because at some point your nerves just no longer feel anything so <sighs> much like my heart <laughs> much like archie's dark dark little heart okay um he doesn't have a dark little heart don't let him yeah me. i don't have one at all he doesn't have a heart at all <laughs> Just kidding. I said that so droll, like, just kidding. Yeah, just kidding. He does have a heart, but it's tiny and dark. <laughs> Which makes this a perfect podcast topic, right? <laughs> Ghosty ghosties. Okay. Now, um, the bodies are then brought ashore and entombed in a 60-foot-wide mass grave on Burial Hill. Okay. And apparently Burial Hill is at the top of the town. So much for don't shit where you eat. <laughs> What? <laughs> I'm not a... How? Is exactly? <laughs> that
1: I mean If it rains, if the water permeates the ground, goes through the bodies, Ew. into the water table. So it's kind of like, bury your dead, you know, downriver, screw the next town kind of a thing. Oh. Yeah. Yuck. Maybe I need more wine.
0: Maybe you need less wine, because that <laughs> got dark and a little gross. <laughs> Cheers, Clink! (laughs) Cheers, Clink. Don't bury
1: your dead uphill.
0: Don't bury your dead uphill. For when you, you know, found a town. Now, um, (laughs) today, more than 240 years later, some say that the spirits of those soldiers lost that week still roam among the headstones. Not shocking. I'm not really fucking surprised by that.
1: Well, no, I mean, the sandbar is not a good place to roam.
0: Yeah. Um, Now, Captain James McGee, the lovely gentleman who told them to put rum in their shoes who was promptly ignored
1: <laughs> wisely
0: i might add okay wisely ignored he survived all of this but he did ask to be buried with his crew when he died now the captain himself has been spotted patrolling the memorial still watching out for his men
1: hmm, maybe, yeah. maybe it was the rum in the shoes
0: maybe you know what Maybe Mr. McGee fucking knew some shit. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll come off the high horse. There you go. Down off that high horse. There is a story that um, a woman who was sensitive to the spirits uh, went up to the hill. She, as soon as she started toward the stairs, she turned around and ran screaming down the street. Apparently, she said she had seen a white silhouette lunge at her and scream to go away. Car. Okay. Which would terrify me. I mean, I would turn around and and get the hell out of there. Okay, I probably wouldn't get the hell out of there, but I would probably go to a different area. (laughs) I'm not smart. Uh, Another tour guide encountered a large male figure in deerskin. Deerskin clothing while he was walking up the hill. At first, the guy thought the man might be someone from another tour company. There's a bunch of them in Plymouth. Right. So he thought it might be somebody from another tour company, and he called out all the names he knew from folks in the, you know, area in the industry. Uh, But he got a response. Now, eventually, this figure turned around, and while nothing seemed quite out of the ordinary at first... The guide quickly realized that this particular individual had no eyes.
1: Like, you know, I was going to say, had no face. It had no
0: head. It was Anne Boleyn.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But no eyes. That's kind of
0: Yuck. Yeah. Mm. Super yuck. Which actually makes me think of the creepypasta story about black-eyed children. And we might want to think about doing an episode on that. Mm Mm-hmm. (sighs) <sighs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Archie looks like he's going to puke, so maybe we... Maybe... Mm-mm.
1: Oh, I'm just trying to think of what I would do for that. Like your history part? The internet was created in 1995 by Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. it's.
0: <laughs> I mean, we've got a lot of suggestions to do creepypasta kind of stories, like Slender Man and Black-Eyed Kids. Well, nobody said Black-Eyed Kids. I just thought of that right now. But that's also a creepypasta pasta. But that was the thing, is how how do we do the yeah. history of that? Oh, um,
1: that's a later conversation.
0: It is a later conversation, but if you guys have any ideas, you know, for sure, hit us up. So eventually the figure turned around. The guide realized that it had no eyes. Uh, the figure then turned around again and walked directly into a light post where it disappeared. Clang. <laughs> oh my god. He had no eyes. Oh fuck. Jeez, holy crap. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh god. Yeah. Alright, but you know, it kind of like what the hell else reaction were we gonna have to that? No figure fuck a no eyes figure walks into a light post and disappears. <laughs> Fucking clang. Oh my god. Okay. All right. I'm sorry, I'll stop. I'll try. Are you sure?
1: No. I'm gonna try, though.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank God we have wine, because we're so professional. Uh, Now, there is another story that a Mayflower descendant, Thomas Southward Howland, who in the 1700s tried to evict an old woman from a shack on his land. Asshole. Right, Dick? He, He will live... To regret that. So now, unfortunately for Howland, the squatter, who according to local lore was the witch mother crew. Oh, good, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. You picked a witch, go ahead. Yeah, good job. Thumbs up, buddy. Um, so she apparently responded make your peace because you will not live to see another sunset. They'll dig your grave on Burial Hill. Dun dun dun. Mm. Yes. And she was right. Oh. (laughs) Indeed, the very next day, Howell was knocked dead from his horse, and he was buried in the family plot atop the cemetery. Tell you what, man. Yep. Now, this next one about Burial Hill is um, one of my favorites. I'm the most amused by this particular paranormal story. This... Paranormal Being is famous back in New England. I actually heard about the Pukwudgie <laughs> uh, on an episode that And That's Why We Drink did. So oh. they go into a lot of detail about the history of the Pukwudgie, Pukwudgie and yeah, the different things that the Pukwudgie does, but the Pukwudgie is also at Burial Hill in Plymouth, Massachusetts. So, it is a common creature that haunts Burial Hill. Uh, <laughs> now, this actually comes from the original Wampanoag lore. Now, Pukwudgies are small, imp-like creatures that have hairy human features and can appear or disappear at will. Oh. Pukwudgies are known for teasing humans, and there have been times when people on ghost tours have encountered their generally harmless pranks... They sometimes hiss and go come out to play. And that's why We Drink goes into, like I said, they have a whole episode dedicated to puck wedgies and they go into a lot more detail about them. They can be playful, but they also can be a little vicious and kind of fuck you up. Mm. So, I'm not sure which episode it is. I'm not going to get into the super details of the puck wedgie, but definitely check out the episode of the and that's why we drink podcasts because they go into it pretty deep. Uh, also, I love the word puckwudgie puck and wudgie. I cannot stop saying it enough. <laughs> puckwudgie, puck for sure. Yeah, it's crazy. Now, here at Burial Hill, most often what happens um, is that people will catch a glimpse of something spooky out of the corner of their eyes. Uh, one time, a tour guide said that he was on Burial Hill with a young couple. And all three of them saw a white figure dart by. The guide says, quote, I looked at them and said, you saw that, didn't you? They said back, yeah, we're not crazy. We saw it. So apparently that is the most common thing that you will find when you go to Burial Hill at night is that you will just sort of see things. And the, white, the white figure. The white figure, shadow people. Things like that. I mean, it's a cemetery from the 1680s. You might encounter a puckwudgie, And um, I'm here for that. (laughs) Just because I feel like puckwudgie is the best word I've heard all year. (laughs) Now, the next place we're going to go to, guys, is called the John Carver Inn. This inn is apparently haunted thanks to a Revolutionary Era residence ...that once stood on the site and was occupied by medical students. Sounds innocent enough. However, these medical students were robbing nearby graves for corpses on which to practice.
1: Yeah, well, you gotta learn somewhere.
0: You gotta learn somewhere, um, and uh, nothing is free. So, when the townspeople discovered their secret, the aspiring doctors were booted from Plymouth. Which, okay. Yeah. Makes sense. However, the spirits of the dead were none too happy with having their eternal rest disturbed and their bodies mutilated. Uh, They have continued to voice their displeasure by preventing some guests on the inn's third floor from getting any rest either. So, if you've listened to our Stanley Hotel episode... Haunted hotels sound great in theory. In theory. Stanley Hotel, uh, the Mizpah Hotel in Tonopah, Nevada the john carver inn here in plymouth massachusetts yeah so that is the john carver inn not a whole lot of detail there but i was really fascinated by the fact that it used to be uh occupied by medical students Mm. who were actually robbing graves wow yeah um the next place we're going to go is cordage park sounds like a lovely place doesn't it hmm it's not Now, Cordage... (laughs) Lull you into that false sense of security, aren't you? Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Seriously, let me tell you why. Oh, God. Oh, God. Here we go. So, Cordage Park opened in 1824, and it was the largest factory located in Plymouth. It was called the Plymouth Cordage Company, and it was a rope-making company that designed ropes specifically for large ships. Okay. Okay? Now, by the 1900s, it was the largest rope-making factory in the world. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, after World War II, the company couldn't compete against a more advanced form of rope made from fiber. And in 1964, it closed down. Okay. Okay? Many stories have actually been told of music being played throughout the old factory, as well as children laughing, too. Keep in mind, this was before child labor laws. Okay. Yeah. At least they're laughing. At least they're laughing. Yeah. Um, my next little story isn't...
1: Not well, as not, fun.
0: Not as fun. Okay. Um, there, it is told of a boy who got caught in the smokestack and died. Oh. Mm, I don't even know how that happened. I couldn't find anything about how or why or just this kid got in the, just that it happened. Just that a little boy got caught in a smokestack of all fucking places. Um, Anyway, it is said that his spirit will occasionally throw rocks at passersby. So he's kind of a bitter child.
1: Mm. Can't imagine
0: why. Mm. Not friendly and cute like Abigail Townsend of the Spooner House. Anyway, uh, (laughs) (laughs) apparently there are two dominant entities that roam throughout Cordage Park. Now, a former security guard has stated that the place is definitely haunted. Many times something would rearrange the items on his desk. He also stated that the area around the smokestack would sometimes have a sickening death smell. Oh, Oh, God, I know. Oh. (sighs) (sighs) Mm. Now, um, other security guards have confirmed these stories, uh, such as walking up to one of the elevators in the back. Now, keep in mind, this shut down in 1964, and it's just sort of an abandoned location now. Okay. But... Current stories state that security guards have said if you walk up to one of the elevators in the back, you will hear somebody saying, hey, can you get that for me? And the elevator door is opening on their own. And it's not just one guy. Apparently, it is multiple reports of this particular occurrence. So, (laughs) um, in fact, when we went to Phelps Dodge, they had, they have elevators in the hospital. And I was... Every time we walked by one, I was like, "Please don't open! Please don't open!" Please don't open. <laughs> because there are the older part of the hospital is where the elevators are at, and there's no electricity there. So that's why I was like, "Oh God, if these elevator doors open, i am i am afraid I'm gonna have to fucking wet my pants and run out of here." <sighs> Fortunately, they didn't open, so I didn't have to do that. Anyway, the next place we're going to go is Miles Standish Park State Park. Sorry, Miles Standish State. Park. In this particular story, we're going to blend a little true crime with paranormal. It is a beautiful place. Uh, By all accounts, everything that I have read, it's a beautiful park full of bike trails and hiking trails. And just in the fall, it's a ton of bright colors. It just adds to the amazing view. It's also not overly crowded, which hikers and cyclists like. Right. But it's hella creepy at night from (laughs) everything I've read. So Miles Standish was a pilgrim. Fucking pilgrim. <sighs> uh those people. So he came to Plymouth on the Mayflower in sixteen twenty. Now he was known for building a fort in Plymouth, leading to the attacks on the Native Americans, and starting starting trading with various tribes. He kept Plymouth in defense and enforced the law throughout the colony. So he had a park named after him. The haunting in Miles Standish state Miles Standish State Forest includes an old abandoned mental hospital that is located somewhere deep in the forest. I tried, Archie, you know. I go deep into the fucking interwebs to find information about everything. And I could not find anything about this mental hospital. Look at Cherry.
1: hmm
0: Oh my god. I know. He's dead. He's my birthday boy. Now, I could not find anything on this mental hospital aside from people have located two slabs of foundation in the middle of this forest, but that's all I was able to find. There's nothing about the hospital, the name, anything about it. It's it's kind of interesting, and it sort of perplexes others that have been like, I heard about this abandoned mental hospital in the middle of this park, can find no signs of it. Nothing on the <clears throat> internet. It's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway... Um, in another part of the woods lies a lot where murders took place, plural murders, took place in the 1970s. Not a lot is said about the abandoned hospital, but as for the murders, on May 14th, 1977, according to the Plymouth Police Department records, a man named Eric Anderson murdered Ruth Masters while she was riding her bike alone on an isolated trail in the park. Oh. Yes. Her and her husband actually went to the park to ride their bikes and somehow veered off and they went in their own different directions. And this Eric Anderson murdered Ruth Masters on the particular trail she went on. It is said that since that murder, the area is supposedly haunted by a vengeful spirit and other odd phenomena. Okay. Now, One person said they went for a long hike in the park and after a bit came, uh, came to, um, a place to rest and all of a sudden felt extremely vulnerable. And I feel like we've all had that feeling. Yeah. That like hair on the back of your neck stands up and just something just isn't quite kosher with whatever situation you happen to be in in the moment. I feel like we've all felt yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this person felt that and, um... They said that it felt as if something really evil was watching them they ignored it and started onward taking various trails but when they felt this feeling again this time they turned around and they saw a black figure a black mass shadow they said it, it resembled the shadow of a man kind of far down the end of one of the trails they were on however this black mass was moving very quickly toward them. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it really freaked them out because they'd been there a while and they hadn't seen anyone else the whole entire time they had been hiking around. And this is like 9.30 in the morning. So this figure rushing toward them terrified them and they turned the opposite direction and hauled ass away. (laughs) As you do. As you do, or as you should do. Fucking run from a dark black mass racing toward you. Don't just stand there and be like, what's going to happen when it hits me? They did get to an elevated part of the park, turned around, and it was still behind them, barreling down on them. At this point, now at this point, they started to run. Like before they weren't running, they were just hiking really quick. <laughs> I'm not a hiker, so can you hike really quick? I don't, I don't actually know. I guess know. so. I don't actually know. I yeah. Uh... Anyway, at this part, they started to run and um they ran about 10 minutes and eventually the vulnerable feeling disappeared they turned they stopped they turned around and the figure was gone wow so they were like um i'm thinking i i think i'm kind of fucking out of here yeah i'm not gonna hike here i think i'm gonna fucking peace out uh so they got to their car and they took they took off and they haven't ever been back since Wise precaution. Wise precaution. Yes. So the next place is Hanson Tuberculosis Hospital, aka Plymouth County Hospital, oh. aka Cranberry Specialty Hospital. Yeah. So it sort of changed dynamics and names over the course of several yeah. hundred tours, so whatever before. is needed. Right. Um, It was initially declared as a tuberculosis sanatorium and later became a chronic care facility.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. So um, it is actually no longer standing. I believe an article that I read stated that the hospital was demolished in 2016 or 2017. But prior to that, people would go there because, you know... Abandoned hospitals, hashtag dodge. Like, oh, I God. love it. <laughs> I'm fucking here for all of that shit. I want to go to abandoned prisons, I want to go to abandoned hospitals, and you, my darling friend, are coming along with me. Ugh. Yeah, you are. It's gonna be a great time. Anyway, prior to the demolition of this Hanson tuberculosis hospital, photographs have often revealed unexplained light orbs. Um, and it, it, at this particular location, sounds that apparently came from nowhere and felt like and sounded like a distant cry. Hmm. yeah so uh, that is that is um, something that I didn't put a lot of stock into prior to my actual ghost investigation of an abandoned hospital. but now I, I, yeah, I'm here yeah, yeah. I'm here I, I get it <laughs> I fucking get it. Uh, there also were reports of unfamiliar and strange cold spots, and those can be attributed to drafts or you know what what have you uh, Chewie just bumped some of the connections. Uh, anyway, go lay down, buddy. Yes, hi. Yes, go lay down. Hi. Yeah. Yes, Chewbacca, bear, I love you, but go lay down. Okay. And finally, the tried and true Arch. I mean. Handbook for the recently deceased As with every location Whispers of being told to run and get out Mm. Mm. Run and get out Run and get out So that is what I have on some of the more popular The more um, common and frequently experienced hauntings In Plymouth, Massachusetts Now, like you said it is, a, it is a very old town. It dates back to the 1600s. So do some of the haunting stories that I have talked about in my portion. There are way more. that, Like I said earlier, there's a number of ghost tours and things like that that you can take a number of companies in Plymouth that will take you around to the various locations. But they... Um, they kind of they kind of theme it up. they kind of play toward the era, and they're the Colonial Lantern tour, I think, is really cool. I think that would be a lot of fun <laughs> Just, uh, a fun tour to go on. We don't have any one specific ghost tour company that we want to talk about or or promote in in this particular episode. Uh, like I said there there's a number of them, and they all seem really, really fantastic. It is a piece of American history, whether you agree with, you know, the way that first Thanksgiving played out or not. uh, Some of you might be on hashtag fucking pilgrims side. (laughs) Uh, Some of you may be on, hey, this is American history side. One of my very favorite episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer was the episode, the Thanksgiving episode, where Buffy was going to have a Thanksgiving dinner, and they were breaking ground to build some new building at Sunnydale University campus, and they actually crack into a Native American burial ground, and they release a spirit of a Native American Indian. And so he brings forth all of his tribe to, like, take buffy and oh, God. willow and xander and giles out and so she's trying to throw the perfect thanksgiving and at some point spike comes along and gets captured by them or whatever and and um he says to buffy he's like you exterminated his race what could you possibly say that would make this guy feel any better and buffy's like you have casinos now it's just <laughs> such a brilliant fucking take on current American pop culture. I don't and remember like, this culture. episode at all. Really?
1: No, we're gonna have to find it.
0: We're gonna have to find it. Like they're gonna have Thanksgiving dinner at Giles's house, and 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 she's so she's ma- almost manic about it. Like I get on Thanksgiving. Yes. 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 Um. Anyway, so the Indians, this guy that they released, and and his tribe, they come and they start to attack them and, and they're trying to dodge arrows and they're trying to like defeat in Giles' apartment and, and she's so, like I so don't understand. Wild. Are you see? I can't believe you I don't remember, remember this. I not remember this at all. Yeah, for a Buffy fan I'm really surprised. It's one of my favorite episodes. Um, and yeah, Spike says, you exterminated his race. What could you possibly say to his ghost that would make him feel any better? And she's like, you have casinos now. Like, I remember that line. Do you remember that line?
1: I remember that line.
0: Yeah, so, like, oh my god, like, everything that our ancestors did to you guys, like, you have casinos now and are super fucking rich. Shouldn't that make up for all of, like, the thousands of years of persecution that we put you through? Um, Anyway, so that's one of my very favorite episodes, I believe. I mean, it's, it's
1: called Pangs. Pangs. Season 4, Episode 8. Oh what my did you god.
0: Google search?
1: Buffy Thanksgiving episode (laughs) it's one of the best it's one of the best it it has its own Wikipedia entry it's brilliant it is it's really fucking brilliant yeah the chumash the chumash
0: thank you you're welcome that was it yes Um, and that's and one of my very favorite lines is um, you exterminated his race what could you possibly say to make him feel any better and he talks about about that and he says that's what conquering nations do Right. And it is, whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not. And I, I, I see both sides of it, which I feel sort of like I'm kind of betraying my heritage by... I Like, I get it, but the fact of the matter is history from the dawn of man, that is what conquering nations do. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't mean I agree with it. It doesn't mean I'm like, hell yeah, conquering nations... Go conquering nations, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm also not like you in the whole "fuck pilgrims" thing. <laughs> so, it's a it's an interesting conundrum to be um, have Native American blood in me, and also at the same time be like, I get your point, I get your point, like I get it, I, I see both sides. So it's kind well, of interesting. Yeah.
1: If it hadn't happened, most, if not all of us, wouldn't be here. Exactly. At least on this side of. The oceans.
0: Exactly. I mean, you know. Um, so anyway, on that cheerful, not anywhere near polarizing fucking note,
1: oh damn
0: it, <laughs> Archie and I would like to wish all of you a very, very wonderful, a very safe, a very joyful Thanksgiving. Yes, indeed. Yes, we hope you are with your family. We hope you are with your friends. We hope that you do take a moment to think about all of the things that you have, all of the things that you have worked very hard to achieve and just take a tiny minute to be thankful for the life that you have and um, the things things that, that bring you joy, regardless of how the holiday began regardless of what the first Thanksgiving was actually really like, it is a purposeful holiday to give thanks, to take a moment to reflect on how grateful you are, because my grandmother always used to say, and it's something that has stuck with my mom and I our whole lives, is that you don't actually have to look very far to find somebody worse off than you. Now, that's not said to diminish... The average problems and the average concerns and stress and worry and sadness that every single life on this earth has. But.
1: Be thankful for the positives in yes, your life.
0: Yes, be thankful for the positives in your life. I am so geeking out in this particular episode, but another one of my favorite Buffy the Vampire Slayer lines. Is when Buffy gets ready to die and she tells her sister, Dawn, live. The hardest thing to do in this world is to live in it. And I genuinely believe that. So on behalf of Archie and my mom and everybody here at History of a Haunting, we want to tell you thank you. We are so grateful for you. We are so grateful for your support. We are so thankful that we have been given a platform to talk about topics like this and talk about ghosts and things that that we enjoy and, <laughs> and find so amusing. Um, so we are very thankful for every single listener listening today, whether you are in a country um, that doesn't celebrate thanksgiving it's not any sort of blip on your radar uh we here in the united states it is a very important holiday for us and so we want to take a moment to just thank all of you um yeah so archie's way to bring it down carrie god (laughs) i'm not trying to bring it down i just really want to tell everybody how much we love them and how grateful we are um i am very very grateful for you And not just because you let me drag you on this fucking podcast (laughs) journey, but because um, I'm very grateful for our bond that has withstood over 30 years. And I love you so much, and I think I'm going to start crying. So you start saying words now. (laughs) I'm already crying. The air
1: conditioning is turned on. (laughs) We're in Phoenix. It gets hot here.
0: Yeah, it's
1: it's November. But Happy still. Thanksgiving, everyone. Yeah, Happy Thank Thanksgiving, you again. everybody.
0: We are actually going to be doing a live Facebook event on Thanksgiving because we have a very special episode we're recording on that day. And oh lord, yes, Archie, do you want to tell them about your brilliant fucking idea that <sighs> has actually sort of fucked us hardcore?
1: Oh yeah, um, I put forth the challenge for us for Gettysburg to find. Ten locations that we each give ten historical facts and historical hauntings in ten seconds
0: each. He's made it like a game. Like, he came up like a lightning round game, like in Friends. Which is fucking brilliant. Uh,
1: But, (coughs) now that we're actually buttoning down doing the research, it's like, fuck me. Yeah. This is gonna... This is... No.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be really fucking tricky. Um, The other thing about it that gives me a real special bit of anxiety is that we are releasing the episode unedited. So all of my ums, way more than you fucking hear now, are going to be on full display for all the world to hear. Uh, Yeah, so we're making it a game, and um, the whole family is getting involved. My mom is going to keep score, Koi is gonna run the timer you guys are gonna finally get to meet my son Koi I had to bribe exceptionally heavily to be a part of this at <laughs> all he is an online gamer so you can imagine how expensive that fucking ran me <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so we're going to do a very wonderful, special live introductory event on Thanksgiving Day prior to the game, and then we are going to release this Gettysburg episode, as usual, on Saturday... And uh, yeah, so it was a really brilliant idea of Archie's, but we're gonna go now and try to figure out how to fucking execute it because oh man, damn, we paint ourselves in the corner on this one. We really did, we really did. Uh, however, I really, I think it's gonna be super fun. We've already kind of practiced it, and it's a clusterfuck, <laughs> but it's also so hysterical. I cannot even stand it. I can't even stand right. it. So, anyway, thank you guys right. so much. Again, I hope you have a very wonderful Thanksgiving. Please be safe. Please eat a lot of food. I hope all of your football teams win. I, what else? That's good. That's good. All right. We're <laughs> going to cut it off. Thank you very much. Happy Thanksgiving. We love you all so much. Thank you. righty.
1: Bye. Love Heals Dog Rescue is a nonprofit organization that believes every dog in need deserves a second chance at a new life.
0: Love Heals wants to partner with the community to help as many dogs as possible find loving homes while also helping dogs in need in the area, such as providing a last litter program where the mother dog is fixed and returned or adopted, and all of the puppies are fixed, examined by a vet, microchipped, and adopted out to help with the overpopulation of dogs in the area.
1: Love Heals Dog Rescue cannot continue to help the community without a dedicated foster network. Please consider becoming a foster and visit loveheelsdogrescue.org
0: Or find them on Facebook by searching Love Heals Dog Rescue. Help, help us, us be, be a, a part of the, of the solution. solution.